the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And I'm so thankful that you are listening today, and I hope that your last week went well and that you were able to apply some of those things we talked about last week into your daily life. And really talking last week about the whole idea of what is God doing in the midst of us and what are what is our hope? Where is our hope? Where does our hope lie? And that we really want to be people that trust in God implicitly and that we don't have to be those people that are constantly looking for indicators to tell us that God is good, but that God is a God that has laid his life down for us, continues to do so, and that we can trust the one who died for us. So on that note, I came across kind of an interesting idea and something that has always fascinated me because I really like geckos. And growing up in Arizona, you know, geckos are everywhere. And and those little creatures, they are just amazing. When I was a little kid, I would capture so many geckos and try to make them pets and all kinds of things. And one of the things that we know about lizards is that they have this phenomenal ability to lose their tail as a way to get away or to become safe. And so I thought I might do a little bit of research on this. And the University of Michigan, this comes from Science Daily, the ecologists and their colleagues, they really answered this question that's puzzled biologists for more than a century. And the main factor is what determines a lizard's ability to shed its tail when predators attack. And what they came up with, which was fascinating, it's venom. So the short, the short end of this is 
that the lizards really only have to fear vipers. It's venom that gives them the impetus to be able to shed their tail. Anybody else, they're not necessarily going to be losing their tail. Now, if they think their life is at risk, that's when they lose their tail. So the whole goal of this show is you saying to yourself, what am I willing to lose in order to gain my life? What am I willing to lose so that I actually can live? So this tail-shedding phenomenon is common anti-predatory defense among many lizards, so that when they're attacked, many lizards, they jettison that wriggling appendage, and they flee. And the predator, you know, often feasts on the tail while that lucky little lizard securely goes to safety. And so I, I love this idea that it's like, wow. So the ease with which lizards shed their tail varies. I have lots of activity going on here, I think. So this varies from lizard to lizard and different and, and biologists suspected that this variation is controlled mainly by predatory pressure. So the more predators there are, the more apt we're gonna see lizards losing their tails. So I thought this was fascinating to just think about this, that there is some some long term loss that comes with being willing to lose their tail. So they don't just lose it at will, so whenever they want to. Because there is a cost. It, it affects them physically. So I want you to think about, here's the conclusion. That the predatory pressure hypothesis of, tail, of lizards losing their tails comes with this unexpected twist. See, not all predators are created equal. That's why it's this venom issue. So the predators that truly matter are vipers. And this is what you want to think about. It isn't just because they're uncomfortable or they're scared. It's because they could actually lose their life. And this is important for us when we think of being a Christian, that, wow, what, what is it about my life that maybe I'm hanging on to something as inconsequential in the long run of my life as a lizard's tail, just so that I can you know, survive the moment. So if I, if I don't want to survive, this is the problem when you think about this. How much are you hanging on to that you might be losing your life over? And I don't necessarily mean physically losing your life. I mean, how, how tied, how committed, how, um, how, how addicted are you to the current things of this life that you don't want to lose any of them? And in the long run, you may lose the biggest thing. And that would be the reason that you were born. The point of being here. What God has actually got for you to do. So this is why it's so important that when you think about this idea of what am I willing to lose in order to gain my life. And I don't mean just physically, obviously. I mean, how many things are we hanging on to that cause us not to take on the next adventure? How many things are we surrounding ourselves with so that we have creature comforts, so that we don't have to take risk? And we end up collecting a whole bunch of things, whether it be 
articles of, of clothing, uh, cars, jewelry, houses, land. Maybe it's prestige. Maybe we don't want to lose how important we have been or, or whatever the, 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 the current um, standard is. Maybe we're not willing to say, you know, God, the bottom line is you want people to be with you for eternity. I want to be with you for eternity, and I can't take earth with me. So I think this is important that you really recognize this whole idea of what does a lizard's tail do for him? One of the things it does for him is willing to be lost. It's willing to be cast aside. I mean, there's so much that is similar to the gospel message. I, I found it highly fascinating. And so I, I found this verse that I love. This is Psalms 118, 5 and 6. And it says, When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, see, this is part of this idea of the lizard and his tail. What's the worst thing that could happen to a lizard other than losing his life? It'd be losing his tail. He doesn't want to lose his tail. But is he willing to lose his tail in order to gain his life? So this is imperative that we think about this. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, this is what it says. It says, Jesus, what did Jesus mean by whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake We'll find it. And another tra translation is, the person who wants to save his life must lose it. And she who loses her life for me will find it. And the Amplified Version says, for whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, the comfort and security here shall lose it, his eternal life. And whoever loses his life Whoever is willing to lose his comfort and security here for my sake shall find it and find life everlasting. I, I, I think this is really important for us to see the similarities and, and the parallels that God has in the creation that he has, has made. And that this poor little lizard, you know, his tail offers him balance, right? <clears throat> his tail offers him, you know, length. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, that gives him the ability to run, gives him the, be, the ability to climb. And so his tail has a lot of things that, that benefit. But he's willing to lose that very thing to gain his life. And what's so amazing is that this tail can be grown back. And if you've ever seen a lizard that has lost its tail and grown a new one back, you can see the different markings. So this is where we want to be trusting God, that God says, you know, if you're willing to lose this thing that is so important to you, that you think makes your life work, if you are willing to lose the very thing that is most important to you, you will gain so much more. You will gain more of the life I have planned for you. And on top of that, I'll make sure that I compensate for your loss. So he'll grow another opportunity. He'll grow another relationship. He'll grow another resource. 
This is how amazing God is and how well he knows his creation. So I want you to think about this whole idea of the wise lizard and how stupid it would be if that lizard said, no, I don't want to lose my tail. I love my tail and lost his life because of it. So think about this concept as we go into this next segment. I want you to ask yourself, what am I willing to lose? What is God asking me to let go of? In order for me to have the life that God really destined me to have, the one that he died so that I could have that life, what does that life look like? And what am I carrying around with me? What am I holding on to that feels so precious to me? And God is saying, lose it, lose it. It's not worth it. It's not worth losing your entire life. The reason that you are here, the whole point of you being born, lose it, let it go. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this verse, that whoever is willing to lose his life will gain it. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, we have been talking about the wise lizard. And the, the motto or what we would want to say, the, the, the idea behind this is, what are you willing to lose in order to gain your life? So if you've ever been around lizards, uh, you know that one of those, these things they are able to do, if they get really scared, think their life is at risk, they're, they're going to drop their tail. And interestingly enough, they can grow one back. And growing up in Arizona, I've seen so many geckos, and I loved capturing them when I was a kid. And I remember they would lose their tail. If, if I did it just right, if I actually didn't catch them in my hand, their entire body, and they slipped through my hand, their tail would be left in my hand and, ugh kind of gross now, but when I think about it, as a kid, it was fascinating that the little tail would wriggle in my palm, the palm of my hand. It wasn't even connected to the lizard anymore. And the amazing thing was that the lizard could then grow a new tail. So I think what God is really wanting us to think about when it comes to this wise lizard is he's saying, what are you willing to lose in order to gain your life? And what we find is that he is always able to give back what we may have lost. And usually, he does it even better. And so I came across this sermon that I really liked. It was about Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 through 28. And this was by Reverend Adrian Dileman. And, and I like the way that he did this. So I want to read you this verse. This is Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. And it says, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. And lizard, he can be caught with the hand. 
yet he survives by the loss of his tail. And he is found in king's palaces. So isn't that interesting? What this means is that everyone needs to model or imitate and follow these really wise little creatures. And this is especially true for those of us that are going through this time in our, in our culture, in our world, in our country, that we're feeling like we're being asked to lose things that are so important to us. And we don't want to let them go. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I, I thought this was very helpful for me when I think about, wow, I didn't realize how much I loved America. I didn't realize how much I took for granted until I was starting to lose these things. So I came across this whole idea of the wisdom of the bugs and the rodents. And I like bugs. I really do. I think they're fascinating little creatures. And so when you think about this, when it comes to this business we call life, we really can learn more by example than we can many times by words or books. So it's important that we really look at these creatures that God has made, that we look into God's world and we see so many elements of him. And so you might want to think about this whole idea. This man, he, his name is Agur, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he's the one that talks. He's, he's a little-known figure in the Old Testament, but he wrote part of the Proverbs. And he sat down with his son and his daughter, and he took an entirely different approach. And he said, children, I want you to imitate the ant, the coney, the locust, and the lizard. Now, it sounds kind of strange, obviously. What kind of parent would tell their son to be like an insect, right? But the idea is really important. So this is why these little creatures are not necessarily appealing to very many of us. And we don't necessarily have them as pets. Well, I did have lizards as pets, but we might even find these creatures kind of repulsive. Yet Augur turns to these simple, small, ugly little creatures to give us wisdom for life and for learning and for living. So let's talk about the ants. What can we learn from the ants? So Proverbs 30 verse 25 says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. So the ant works today for tomorrow. See, he understands and knows time. A lot of people don't know, don't understand the time. That, they, that we may either live in the past or we're in the future, but we very rarely live in the present. And so we're dreaming about our future, hoping for our future, or we're lamenting our past, but we're not doing what we need to do in the present moment to support the future that we're dreaming of. And maybe we talk about all the good old days. I know that that's one of the hardest things we have right now that as we are losing different things that we thought would never go away. We just depended on. And, and we might have a tendency to romanticize the past more than we realize. And so some people also live in the past as a way to continue to beat themselves up instead of recognizing that God has given you everything you need to move forward and he wants you to continue moving forward. He doesn't want you 
to be driving by looking through the rearview mirror. He's wanting you to be present in the moment he's given you. And to make sure that as you move to the next moment, if you need to lose something in order to move forward, that you're willing to lose it to gain your life. And so some of us have a tendency to live more in the future. And so their constant and favorite refrain is, well, after this happens, then I'll get this. And, you know, it's, it's the either or, it's the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. And it's the projecting into the future, all these things that are going to happen. And so I'm not living in the present moment. I'm just dreaming of the future. And what we come to find is if I don't live in the present moment, whatever the future is that I am wanting to have occur will not have been established because I was too busy focusing on the future. And so I think of things like, well, after I graduate, after I get promoted, after I get married, after we have children, after I make my first, I don't know, $100,000, after I get that car, after I lose weight. And so we're, we're all, we're living too much in the future and we don't pay attention to what is happening in our present moment that is causing us to maybe lose pieces of our life, lose parts of our future. So like the ant, we need to understand time. We need to really use the past, the present, and the future appropriately. That the future is the world of possibilities. The present is where we have power. The past is what we learn from. So think, think about these different things, that these animals, these creatures, God's planet can teach us so much about what we need to learn. So when we think about Augur's audience, see, these are the people that were actually wanting to be educated. And I'm so thankful that you are listening today. So make sure that you listen to the next half hour as we talk more about past, the present, the future, and these wonderful little creatures that can inspire us to live better. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and what all the things we have on social media. And thank you so much for your presence as well and your encouragement. And I want to make sure that you can go to the website. You can listen to the shows there. You can also go to your favorite podcast server, listen to any of the shows. And always, I always appreciate the reviews that you write. It helps me to know better what you're really wanting to hear and what is most helpful. So we're talking about the idea of the wise lizard and why he is so wise that he is willing to lose his tail in order to gain his life. And then we talked about the ants. And they are so good at knowing time. They don't live too far in the future. They don't lament the past. They are very much in the present knowing that the present time is really all they have that the past is over and the future may never come. So they make sure that what they're doing today 
is going to support the life if it is to come. And that's important for us to recognize it. We say, you know, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So we don't want to live only in the future thinking that nothing matters now. What we want to say to ourselves is we don't know when he's coming back. So what are we storing up for ourselves that we may need just this evening or next week or six months or 10 years? It doesn't mean it will necessarily come, but it means that if it does, we are prepared. And then we recognize, like the ants do, that whatever happened yesterday is gone. It's dead. They're building for today and the future. So let's think about this next one, which is kind of fascinating. This is the coney. And this little creature, little power, he makes homes in the crags, right? The coney, this is, he's like a rock badger. He's a little bit like our marmots. And so they're gray in color, just like the rocks they live among. And so as long as a coney is on the rock, it's almost impossible to see him. And when the predator comes and tries to attack, the coney will run into a hole in the rock. To get the coney, you have to knock down a mountain of rocks. All right, now how telling is that? Isn't Jesus Christ the rock? So what we want to do is hide in him. And not only do we want to hide in him, but like the marmot, like the the little coney who takes on the coloring of the rock. So one of the safest things we can do for ourselves is to live in Christ, live in, among, on the rocks, and take on the color of of, of Christ, the color of his life, the color of his heart the color of his truth. And see, conies know two things. They know their weaknesses. And so if they decide to go out onto the plane, they know they're going to be very vulnerable. So no matter how brave a cony is, away from the rock, right? Away from the rocks, that is very courageous because he can fall victim to the smallest wolf or lion or coyote. So what if he wanders away from the rocks? Well, then guess what? A coney becomes roadkill. So they know better than to venture out into an open field, unprepared. They know where their security lies. Their security lies by mimicking the rocks they hide within. I'm going to say that again. Their security lies by mimicking, looking just like the rocks they live within. So I love that lesson, that we need to be people that know our weaknesses, and we need to know where our security lies, and we want to look like the rock of Christ that we are hiding within. So we first need to know our weakness, our sin. What's the sin that so easily besets? What's the corruption? What is guilt and evil? What does condemnation do to you? And are you going to wear that? instead of the beautiful love and peace and joy of Christ. So think about this and how important it is that we can learn from God's creation, especially 
in these times. So we talked about the ant. We talked about the coney. We talked about the lizard. All phenomenal creatures. All made by God. So when we think about this, that the coney knows where his security lies, then every Christian knows the answer to that one is, is also found in Psalm 62, verse 5 and 7. It says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about the amazing creatures that God has given us to learn from. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're just tuning in, I want you to really make sure that you can check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things on the website. You can also listen to the most current shows there. And then on your favorite podcast server. And again, thank you so much for the reviews that you leave and your presence on social media. So we are talking today about the wise lizard. And that he is wise enough to lose his tail in order to live. And so our theme verse for today is, is Matthew sixteen twenty five, When Jesus said, whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And another translation of that says, the person who wants to save his life must lose it. And she who loses her life for me will find it. So what does that mean? Well, this is where we see in the lizard his willingness to lose his tail in order to gain his life. So we talked about the, also the ants and what they are willing to do. We talked about the coney and his ability to mimic the rocks that he hides within. And that's how he survives. And so let's talk about the locusts for a moment. Now, those are pretty disgusting creatures. And if you remember any of the, you know, like the story of Moses and the locusts was one of the plagues that came. So if you come across a locust all by itself, see, he doesn't have much power. Because the locust and the grasshopper, they can't do it alone. They can only do it in community with others. And so a plague of locusts wreaked havoc on Nebraska, Iowa, and Kansas. And that was about the turn of the century. They did well over $10 billion worth of damage. After they attacked every plant, every single plant was reduced to a barren stalk. And they stripped everything of the leaves and the buds. So Augur, he says, the locusts have no king to get them organized. They, they don't have like a draft board to enlist them or something. But by instinct, locusts know they have to be in community with other locusts or they have no power. They are very fragile creatures. So when it occurs, when they really galvanize and they really create that community, they are able to topple kingdoms. So the wisdom of the locusts is the wisdom that tells us we must have community. That we may have power as one person, but in a group, in a family, we have incredible amounts of power. So this is really important for us in this time in our country 
when we're feeling kind of powerless and we don't know where things are going, that we first need to unite as a community. We don't have to necessarily have an idea yet. We don't have to have a plan yet. I don't know. I'm sure that people of greater minds than I are coming up with all kinds of plans. But we need to know that we can't even really pull off a plan if we're not a community. So this is what God talks about when he was really creating the New Testament church. So I liked this this idea. This was the title of this little like blurb that I'm going to read for you. It's called Lunatics Don't Unite. And so here's the story. A man visited an, an asylum for the criminally insane. And he was a bit surprised to find out that only three guards were assigned to take care of 100 inmates. Now, all of these inmates had done some pretty egregious behaviors of murders, of torture, of rapes, of all really terrible things. So he said to one of the guards, aren't you afraid that the inmates will unite, overcome you, and then escape? And the guard said, ah, lunatics never unite. Lunatics never unite. (laughs) I love that. But you know what? Locusts do. And Christians should. Because if we don't, we can't accomplish anything. So one of the lessons that we learn from the locusts, from the grasshoppers, is that if we don't unite, we don't have power. So are we willing to lose maybe an opinion that we have? Are we willing to let go of an ideal, of an ideology? Are we willing to let go of my way and do it God's way? Am I willing to overlook little idiosyncrasies or things that bother me about different people in my community? Or am I going to get focused on that that causes me to say, I don't want to hang out with those people. They drive me crazy. So we want to learn from the locusts that we want to make sure that as a culture of Christians that we are able to make an impression upon this culture. See, it's Christians as a community and not as individuals that are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God never calls us to service or ministry that we do just by ourselves. What we do, we do as a body, as a community, and that's why we are part of a church. We are part of a community of believers. If you don't know where to go to church yet, I I get that. It's kind of crazy right now. But there are so many churches that have an online presence that you can visit so many of them online without ever leaving your house and figure out which one you may be called to be a part of. What community do you see in any of these different churches that match you, you know, somewhat so that you can feel like, hey, these are my people. And this is important for us to learn from the locusts, that by themselves they are very fragile. They have no power at all. But wow, when they galvanize as a community, as a group, they can take out an entire country. So this is important for us to think about. So let's, again, revisit our our wonderful little guy, the lizard. And Augur points to this lizard. And he says, a lizard can be caught with a hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. That's Proverbs 30, 28. So you can hold a lizard, kind of can be maybe small and ugly, but 
there, there's the, what's so amazing is that he can be found in the presence of kings, just this little lizard. So imagine that lizards found in palaces, this is a dry, scaly little creature surrounded by the finery and the culture and the riches of the court. This is what you have to understand when it comes to your life and you giving your life to Christ and what he has in mind for you. He may say to you, yeah, maybe you're not that much to look at. <laughs> maybe you're a little scraggly little creature. But I'm going to put you in, in the courts of kings. I'm going to give you a voice that allows you to speak to people that can move mountains. So this is what God wants to tell us. This is the upside-down values of the kingdom of God. That we realize that God does things in a way that doesn't make sense to us. And that we may have to really focus on the heart of God and say, I want to understand why you created me and where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, what I should let go of God, what I need to keep, who I need to be in community with, where you would have me grow, and God, what I'm needing, again, to let go of. And this is imperative for us when we are thinking about that the Bible says plainly that we become saved just by putting our faith in Christ. But discipleship is more. That's continual sacrifice and commitment. See, the disciples had to deny themselves and turn away from selfishness. And that's a sacrifice. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, 14 and 16, whoever wants to protect himself from troubles, insults, persecutions, and death, and does so by forsaking Christ, denying his gospel, forsaking his profession of it, and by doing so, he might even curry favors and approval from men. And he may amass for himself a lot of worldly profit, profits, financial gain, honor, peace, pleasure, and life, but he loses his eternal life. So when we think about this, we even see this in uh, a very famous woman. Her name is Esther, Queen Esther. And, and let's look at this story with Mordecai and Queen Esther. And when Mordecai learned that all had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes. He was, he was oh, so devastated by what was going on in the Jewish community and the world around them. And he cried out with a loud and bitter cry, and he went to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate if they're clothed in sackcloth. And this is where a phenomenal thing occurred. So there was this great mourning among the Jews, fasting, weeping, lamenting, and they lay in sackcloth and ashes. And when Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. Now, this goes back to when we talked about lizards being in the palaces of kings, right? So she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept it. So here this goes further, further on through this story. And Mordecai is in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and he told him what would happen to him, the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. And Mordecai also gave him proof, a copy, a written decree, 
issued in Susa for their destruction. And he wanted to show it to Esther. He wanted to explain it to her. And he wanted to command her or to beg her to go to the king and plead with him on her behalf. And so Esther spoke to him and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes against the king inside the inner court without being called, they'll be put to death. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said, and Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do you think to yourself that in the king's palaces you'll escape any more than all the other Jews? For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another, from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether or not you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So ask yourself, do you think that in your life that you're going to escape what's happening to our country, to our world? That just by being a Christian, you're going to escape some of this? What this story is saying, who knows? Maybe you are in this time for just this time, for just a time as this to speak what your love, your commitment, your experience of God has been and why you are willing to follow him. And it doesn't mean you have to speak to thousands of people. Maybe it's just your next door neighbor. And I don't want you to artificially manufacture a moment. I want you to be looking for those moments where you go, "Uh uh-oh, this is it. I'm supposed to talk to this person about Christ. I'm supposed to talk to this person about God. I'm supposed to give this person hope and encouragement, even though our world may look very bleak, may look very overwhelming, mean, crazy, nasty. But God is none of those. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Be wise as the lizard and be gentle as a dove. God bless you this week, and I look forward to talking to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be